This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. All over the Action Network. She does a great job hosting there, and she is a host here on these airways, ESPN New York. She will be on next Friday night, I believe, 6.30 to 9. Hello, Maria. How you doing? Hi, what's up? I'm doing great. Been excited to talk to you all day. And a uh, nice shout out there to Joe in that <laughs> Monday Night Football intro song, which, you know, gets some fired up. Some wonder about the uh, the production quality with some awkward background dancing, but, you know, it's yeah, fine. So what's, the, what's the deal with that? What, what's the uh, inside joke? Because I no, heard you were talking about it on DPH on Rothenberg. What, what, what's, the, what's the scoop there? Yeah, so I, I made the joke that I felt like too cool watching that Monday Night Football intro like montage video with the, the country singer. I can't even remember his name right now. Um, and I, I admit when I watched it back, I was like, okay, it's actually pretty dope. It's just when you see Snoop Dogg roll up and then the background dancers, you're like, mm, I don't know, it's a little confusing. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's what the inside joke is about. Oh, okay. So you, you, you're not a big fan of Chris Stapleton. I, I, I take that's what, the, that's what I'm learning from you here. <laughs> You know, I have a little more respect for him now. But anyway, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so big, uh, big night in the NBA All Star Weekend in Indianapolis. Uh, let's first start yeah. with uh, with this. Um, we talked about the, the three point shootout during the last uh, the last hour dunk contest has lost its luster. So to me, I've gravitated more to the three-point contest, and you get some local flavor with Jalen Brunson, Dames defending his title, Tyrese Halliburton, obviously. That's his, you know, that's his talent. The Pacers fans are all over it. But I'm really excited for, you know, Steph Curry and Sabrina Inuesco uh, um, because I think that this is, this is pretty cool for him to put himself out there in pretty much a, you know, I don't call it a lose-lose situation just because, like, if he wins, you were supposed to. If he loses, then oh, people are flaming for it. But shout-out to Steph for, yeah. for putting himself out there and, and, and allowing this to take place, uh, putting his ego aside. Well, first off, let me help you with the pronunciation because it's a little bit of a tricky one, but it's Sabrina Unescu. Unescu. <laughs> and, um, Unescu, Wait, what the, yep. What the, what, and it's one of those, it's one of those last <laughs> names that – Every time you say it, you get nervous right before you say it. I know. And then it just I know happens. The feeling, trust me. And you're like, man. As a broadcaster, <laughs> I understand the feeling of like that, that uh, messing with your mind before yeah. you're about to pronounce something. It's like the, but, it's like the yips. Because I had no problem saying yeah. it the, the, the entire first hour. And then it just happened. It's and I'm okay, like, oh, man. I forgive you. <laughs> but you bring up a good point about Steph. And I think what's so cool about him is – like he has always been, you know, a proponent of the women's game and like happy to promote it. And, you know, his company, um, SC30 actually sponsors one of the top players in the women's college game, AZ Fudd, who's, who's out unfortunately with a torn ACL this season, but like he's always supported Sabrina. I always kind of think of him as that guy once Kobe passed, that's taken on that torch of like, just being the advocate for for women's basketball and with his you know reach and influence like I think it's so important but beyond all that stuff like you're talking about um just this epic idea because we know Steph Curry is widely regarded as the greatest shooter of all time and then you throw in Sabrina Unescu and 
you know, she led the W in threes last year. She was shooting like over 45% for, for the season last year from three. And then I don't know if you saw, but in the WNBA All-Star. Oh, I did see that. You know, I mean, I, I everyone mean, saw you that. Didn't, you have to go. You got to go and Google it right now because, like, what she did, obviously, you set a record. She made 25 out of 27 threes in that three-point contest. She once at one point had 20 straight makes. So it was so jaw-dropping and so cool that, you know, of course, the two of them being the competitors that they are start kind of jawing back and forth and like, hey, like we should go go at it, you know, go head-to-head. And I'm so – I'm, like, excited but also nervous <laughs> that – it came to a, you know, it's coming to a head here at the three point because like at the all-star game, cause you, you sort of alluded to it about like the perception, right? Like, is it a win-win? Is it a lose-lose and, and all of that. And what I've come to kind of understand when it comes to like achievements in women's basketball, you're always going to have people that like, no matter how great they do and how like virtually undeniable they are, they're going to doubt. And like, when that happens to me, there's like, no, there's nothing I can do for you. If that's how you perceive it, because you go from respecting and appreciating and understanding the game of basketball to like other stuff kind of creeping in, whether it's, you know, innate bias or what have you. So like when I first heard that she was going to be shooting from the NBA line, I was a little like taken aback at first because I'm always of the opinion, like, don't, like, women's athletes don't have to alter their game in order to appease those that are going to criticize them anyway, like, no matter what they do. However, I understand, like, why she, just as a competitor, was like, yes. I'm just going to kind of put this to bed right now. Like, she said before, before it was even announced, like, when they were plotting this, you know, well in advance, she had it in her mind, I'm shooting from the NBA uh, three-point line. So, and then, you know, even despite all of that, you're going to have people being like, oh, why doesn't she use a men's ball? And it's like, bro, like, I, I'm, I'm like 5'10", right? So I'm like, Sab has like an inch on me. I stood next to her. I've interviewed her. My hand, like, if I hold my hand tied next to like my husband's hand, for example, and he's six foot, he played college ball, like, my fingers are actually slightly longer than his, but his palms are so much bigger than mine. And it just, to me, it's actually more fair proportionally for her to use a men's ball or excuse me, a women's ball than to use a men's ball. So like my point just being that no matter what happens, you know, people, it it can be confirmation bias, however you feel about it. I'm just hoping that it's a competitive event and that's going to make it fun regardless of who wins or loses. And I think that's what both of these players are thinking about because both of these players, in their mind, they know how great they are. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And so regardless of the result, it's not going to, like, in their own mind, it's not going to taint their legacy one way or the other. So let's just have fun with it. Yeah. And I just hope for, like I said, a, a competitive event it's it's supposed to be fun and you'll have like what i call bad actors like you know those people who are never going to fully embrace you know equality so Mm. they're instead of just like sitting in silence with your you know let's just call it disdain (laughs) for whatever it is 
Um, you, you have to voice it and, you know, you have to try to diminish her and you have to, you know, judge it up against the NBA product. The W is doing this thing right now. Shout out to them. And, you know, they're continuing yeah. to find ways to try to, you know, captivate bigger audiences. And, and it's, it's it's a climb that they've they've, they've embraced and they're, they're trying their mm. best to do, which is why I respect Steph a lot for, you know, doing this tonight uh, with Sabrina and her deciding to shoot the the um, the three from from men's distance. I didn't even look at it as her trying to get appreciation and respect from from the audience. I looked at it as yo, I I think I'm as good of a shooter as you. Let's let's go ball out and right. see. I, I'm right. looking at it as her being competitive and wanting to have this challenge and just go out there and do it. So I'm excited for that uh, tonight. Uh, also, before we get into some of the other uh, NBA stuff, Caitlin Clark. I mean, what an accomplishment! That <laughs> shot she hit from the logo. That was just awesome. Yeah. That that was that was incredible. Congratulations to her. So I wanted to get your full perspective on that. And um, like, what did you make of the whole thing? So um, look, I've been obviously watching Caitlin Clark since her freshman year, and she has been making noise, you know, every year since. And one thing that I have found so cool about her breaking this record is that it puts a lot of things into context historically and it makes you kind of learn and appreciate what happened before. So like I started looking this up and I was like, you know, looking up Pistol Pete Maravich who, you know, has the the D1 all-time scoring record men's or women's. And then like I never even knew about a player named Lynette Woodard who played in Kansas and actually has a, uh, a few more points than Caitlin Clark in her career, but it wasn't for the NCAA because that was before the NCAA acknowledged and recognized women's basketball. So it was under uh, an organization called the AIAW. And um, like, so I'm like learning about all these, these crazy things. And like, I think that's what's so unique and so cool about a record like this is it's not just appreciation for Caitlin and what she's doing is an opportunity to also learn about like what came before her. And like, of course I'm super familiar with Kelsey Plum. I cover the WNBA and she had, was the previous record holder. Broke she was in also, 2017. I don't know if you saw, she was at the celebrity game last night, the sitting court side. I did. I, I did see it. And, but what's so funny, Ty is like, I never saw, you know, bef- that was kind of before I started really covering the college game. And like, I never saw her highlights from back in 2017 when she broke it. She had 57 points in a game to break the record. And I just started watching her highlights back at Washington. And so it's like just this opportunity to be like, wow, like just appreciate, you know, where the game has come from. And look, I mean, Caitlin's not done. She has a chance to, to actually catch Pete. And what's crazy about Pete did it in three seasons yeah. because, um, you know, at LSU, you couldn't play varsity as a freshman, which is wild. And by the way, Ty, not to you know keep geeking out on this, but he averaged 38 shot attempts in a game. And to put that into perspective, Caitlin Clark uh, averaging just under 20 shot attempts per game in her career. So super interesting. Do you think she ends up, because she's got the option for a fifth year because of the COVID season, or she could go to the WNBA if... if uh, at this point, what do you think she's, she's going to do? You know, my personal feeling is that she will go to the WNBA, but I think something that people 
don't take into account as much uh, as they should with these types of decisions, it might come down to what happens in March Madness and in the NCAA tournament. Like, sometimes if you don't end up winning that championship, you might say, hey, I feel like I have unfinished business. I want to come back. But, you know, if she does win the championship, it's like, okay, I've literally accomplished everything I can do. It's time to move on. So I don't think she's, I don't think her head is there yet. Um, but, you know, the Indiana Fever have the, the number one pick in the draft, and it'd be pretty cool to see her go there. And um, as you already mentioned, the W has been like, you know, gaining in its own right and attendance and ratings and all that. Clark would only help feed that. So it'd be, you know, super exciting. And, you know, she's just, she was pro ready. When I watched her as a freshman, I thought she was pro ready. So I have a hard time thinking she won't do it, but you know, we got to see how the end of the season plays out. Maria Marino is our guest. All right, let's go back to uh, the NBA, the Knicks, in the midst of an eight-day break that is much needed because of the avalanche of injuries. I mean, Randall and yeah. OG and Dante. I mean, the list goes on. Mitchell Robinson, maybe he'll come back this year. Uh, Bogdanovich, who they just got from the Pistons. So it's a much-needed time for a re- regrouping, not just physically but psychologically. I just felt like just there was just so much that happened in that quote-unquote first half of the season for the Knicks. How concerned are you about them going forward, one, and two? What do you think the, a realistic expectation is for this team? Well, you know, to be honest with you, even though it's been a really rough stretch lately we know it's because of the injuries right you know because they were on the nine game win streak and then as the the, you know the domino of injuries started to fall you know they struggled they were limping into the break needed this break so badly but the good news is for the most part these injuries that you mentioned like OG and Randall and DiVincenzo Hartenstein like they should be relatively short-term injuries so as long as those guys are back and in a rhythm and healthy, you know, come playoff time, I have very high hopes for the Knicks. I mean, I really feel that I, the only team that – I shouldn't say the only. Okay, obviously the Celtics scare me because, you know, they're just kind of a cut above right now. The Bucks, they still scare me a little bit just because they're going to have the best player on the floor in Giannis, and he's just so hard to defend. And then you have Dane, who's like this X factor, but like – they have looked so rough. I mean, look, they're going to get better. Three and seven under Doc Rivers, that's a little bit yikes, but you have to expect that there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a learning curve when he, when he took over and they actually have gotten better defensively. So, you know, I worry about them, but like other than that, I mean, yeah, the Cavs are playing amazing. I mean, I think they've won 18 of their last 20 games. But it's like, okay, the, the Knicks aren't going to be scared of playing the Cavs. Like, they just beat the Cavs last postseason. I mean, the Cavs might be a little more, like, might have that revenge factor. But, like, apart from those two teams, those top two teams, like, I feel like the Knicks definitely can beat just about anyone in the East. So I'm really excited to see what they do. And, and the only thing is Jalen Brunson, like, He's the one that you got to be careful about conserving. And he's averaging like 36 minutes per game. And I don't even mind so much the number of minutes. It's like the usage when he's on the floor. Like you just got to be careful. You don't want him to burn out and you got to keep him healthy because 
when he's off the floor, they look different. But then again, you know, we saw a glimpse of what they were like, like immediately after they traded for OG. And that's, I think, more accurate to what they're going to look like than what we've seen here over the last couple of weeks. I think what's scary is you could potentially be looking at a, a first-round matchup against Milwaukee. Because right now, it's mm. it's Bucks, Knicks, Sixers. That's your 3-4-5. Only thing that separates those three teams are just one game in the loss column. Mm-hmm. So if Philly starts yeah, winning a couple true. games and, and the Bucks, Bucks could end up 4-5 with the Knicks, and that's not the team that you want in round one as you're you know, ushering guys back from injuries trying to get back into a rhythm. Because I understand you know, Doc Rivers, we make fun of him, got all the memes, and the Bucks don't play defense. <laughs> but you give me Giannis, Dame, and Chris Middleton in a best-of-seven series mm-hmm. with home court in round one as you're bringing guys back from injury, I don't think that that's all that ideal. Uh, quickly, just a, a couple other things. MVP, who's your uh, NBA league MVP right now? Well, uh, Jokic is a favorite, but I would go with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I actually just bet him today at, like, plus 220 just because he was second in the straw poll uh, earlier this week. The last two straw polls uh, during this time, like the last two seasons, actually the second-best vote getter ended up surpassing and and winning. But it's, it's more than that. Like, he scored 30 points at least in 39 of their games. And I just think that what they're doing and, you know, the Thunder being the two seed. And also I think sometimes voter fatigue can play into it. So I feel like SGA, it might be his year, which might be, it's crazy. I mean, this is the second youngest team in the NBA. So uh, super exciting what what the Thunder are doing. And I like him. Yeah. You actually thought uh, maybe I could have got, do you have uh, the odds in front of you at this moment or no? I don't want to, I'm sorry if I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I don't think I don't have all the odds. I just know he was has the second best odds. Well, because I had another the, name. Uh, I want. I had another name I wanted to throw at you uh, real quick because it's it's very sneaky, and I don't I don't think he's gonna okay. win it, just because he's uh Mr. Load Management. But Kawhi low key is having a fantastic season, and up until mm-hmm. uh like a week and a half ago was relatively healthy. The Clippers. One game back of the one seed, and we know for the MVP, uh, team success matters. So if they get the one seed and Kawhi continues to be awesome, I think that's a sneaky MVP candidate. Again, I don't think he's going to win it just because the injuries um, scare me and he rests. And SGA's been awesome. Uh, Jokic, I I just feel like the the Nuggets don't look as good as they did last year. Maybe that's a little bit of a championship hangover. but. I think you're right, and I don't. I don't hate it. Kawhi's sneaky because, yeah, I just think what he would have to do though is he would have to have an incredible second half. They would have to continue to rise, and um, I, unfortunately, this is not how it should be, but it just is what it is. It's really hard to flip narratives late in the season unless you do something spectacular. Yeah, that's true. Like voters have it in their minds too early in my opinion where you start building this sort of subconscious opinion about the MVP as the season goes on and by the halfway point unfortunately a lot of people kind of have have that set like narrative and you have to then instead of like building your case you have to actually change their mind um so that's the only that's the only thing I would say but um but yeah I don't hate it 
And uh, lastly, you hate the 65 game minimum for awards. <laughs> why is that? Let us let, let us know why you hate that. Um, okay, because I think there's been the unintended consequence of penalizing people when they have legitimate injuries. And to me, it's just an arbitrary number. Yes, playing 82 is more valuable than playing 64, but is playing 65 games that much more valuable than playing 64? And I don't like it, not just because of the awards, but also because the first team, second team, all NBA, all defensive teams, things of that nature, you are, again, like, for instance, somebody like a Tyree Taliburton, a lot of people are talking about Embiid, the better case is Taliburton because he only can miss, like, two more games and, and not be eligible for awards and all NBA teams, which is insane because he's been leading the league in assists all year. I mean, the, the Pacers have the best offense in the NBA. Like, what he's doing is it, crazy. And the, and the thing that bothers me is because this was imposed as a result of load management. So this is like, I, I don't know, like load management is different than having a legitimate injury. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the award. And frankly, Ty, voters took into account the number of games that you played anyway in yeah. the voting process. So now you're taking that decision you know, out of their hands. And again, like Embiid isn't, isn't the argument for this. Like we, we knew all along, like last year when he won the MVP, that was an anomaly in his career playing over 65 games. If you look, I think he only has played over 65 games, like once or twice out of all of his seasons. So um, to me, it's just an arbitrary number. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I don't like penalizing players if they're legitimately hurt. No, I hear that. It's it's a rule that, like as you mentioned, is intended to, you know, incentivize teams to actually play healthy players. But, you know, how do you parse between a guy just resting and being listed as mm -hmm. hurt as opposed to a guy who's legitimately hurt? And Bede in his career has played uh, 66 games or more just twice in his career, yep. uh, including last That's season and then the year before that. So, yeah, you're right. This is, I mean... We, we coming in, he missed his first two seasons. He he's uh, been no stranger to being hurt. Uh, but this is great, uh, Maria. I really appreciate you joining uh, the program today. So you're going to be on next week, right? Yeah, that's right. And man, like, well, wow, we've been talking for like 25 minutes. It flew by, but uh, this was super fun. And yeah, I'll be making my solo hosting debut. So you know, Friday. <laughs> Friday, Friday what well, gave us the time? Uh, uh, 6:30 to 9 Eastern. So, uh, yeah, that'll be go. fun. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, I, I'll, I'll be, yes. uh, I'll be locked. I'll be locked in. I'm doing a Bart and Hall, oh. Bart Scott that day. So I'll be locked in listening to you. Really appreciate you joining. Enjoy the festivities tonight, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. See you. All right. That's Maria Marino. Check her out. She's on the Action Network. She'll be hosting next Friday, and you can hear her all over the place. Uh, 800-919-3776. Quick break. Right back. On 987 ESPN. And Sabrina Inuesco. Uh, this is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. You're a terrible guy, Joe Leo. Why is that? I mean, what you did closing out that segment was just, I mean, reeks of one of the worst people on the planet. Like one of those people that after you step in horse manure, you look at the bottom of your shoe and there's their face. That's you, Joe Leo. And Sabrina Inuesco, uh, Inuesco can, we, can we explain what happened there? 
Can we you, you had it? a little bit of a tongue twister, but that's what happens it on was, this station. It wasn't just that, though. Because I'll, I'll, I'll bring you behind the curtain. So Maria Marino, she does wonderful work covering all of, like, women's basketball. College, the pros. And, you know, we had talked about her coming on to, you know, talk about all NBA stuff. But, you know, specifically uh, this, uh, this three-point shootout and, you know, Caitlin Clark. So I'm thinking, all right. The la- like this, the last name is already already a struggle. The last thing I can have happen is for me to fumble it at the top of the interview with her because that that just reflects poorly on me, uh, you know, in the face of someone who covers the sport uh, in and out. Which is why I made a concerted effort. If you notice this, all throughout hour one, to practice it on the air. I said her name multiple times in hour one just to, like, get it out my system, have it flow, and then, bam, drop the ball. And you had to highlight that. So she was, I mean, bad bad guy move out of her for, you know, pointing it out when no one would have noticed it. But the icing on the cake was that drop you just played. So that just makes you a, I just, I think that. I mean, but that, God I'm just playing like within the realm of what we do here. Like, we have this. I don't if know if everyone you, knows taking off your penalties a helmet, you know taking off your penalties a helmet. I don't know if helmet. you're a spiritual guy at all, but God doesn't like ugly. And what you just did was ugly. I don't know if that qualifies, but sure. <laughs> that was ugly. Uh, but yeah, it's a great spot. I had a good time talking to her. We were playing this game off the air, trying to like spitball, you know, favorite dunk contests. That we've seen. Now, the famous one, 88, Dominique, MJ. I already knew what yours was because you're such a Vince Carter homer. It was him and Jay Rich. That's right. But we were just going through, like, uh, the history of these dunk contests and and not just reminiscing, you know, about the the great moments, but when and where it kind of fell off. Because, like, not too long ago, we had the Zach Levine, Aaron Gordon, which was phenomenal. You had... uh, a caller brought up, or was it you who brought up, um, uh, what was his name? Gerald Green, who blew out the, the birthday candle. The Gerald Green blo- blowing out the birthday candle, which I believe is the same dunk contest as the Nate Robinson kryptonite dunk over Dwight Howard. Was I believe that the same that's one? the same dunk I th- contest. I don't, I don't think that's the same one. It might be with like a year apart, but it's within that. It's a year or two, if not the same dunk contest. Remember, Nate went back Nate. to back. In 2009, 2010, he went back to back. And one of those years is, uh, I think it was my, it might have been 2010, where he made it a, a circus, where he just kept missing and missing and missing. And, you know, people were getting impatient. Uh, you heard groaning in the background, and he still delivered. But it does take away from, uh, from the score well, when, you, when you have so many failed attempts. Dwight Howard was awesome. Uh, Richardson back-to-back years, you know, 97, Kobe, his rookie season. That That's always going to be uh, the one that does it for me, for me, my favorite player of all time. But we were spitballing. So so you arrived at Jay Rich and Vince Carter. Uh, any other ones stand out to you? Like 06, that was young J.R. Smith Man. on the New Orleans Hornets. Um, Probably... Blake Griffin's got Blake get Griffin some love, over eh? the over the jumping over the car over the Kia. That's a good one. Yeah. Also, just for clarification, Gerald Green Cupcake was 08. That was the Superman dunk from Dwight from Howard. Dwight, where he wore the cape. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Which the, the dunk wasn't all that great. It was just the fact that 
Uh, he wore the cape, and then you had the rivalry between him and Shaq was kind of hitting his apex. What's the one in Phoenix? Is that 08? Uh, you talking about the Nate Robinson one? Where he went up against Nate? Think- Is that in Phoenix? There was one. There was one in Phoenix where it was the Dwight with the Jabberwockies. Uh, hmm. or not Dwight. Uh, Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. That yeah. Was yeah. The, oh yeah. When when Shaq was in Phoenix. Yes. And he came out with the Jab. Yeah. So that might have been two thousand nine, because that was Shaq's. I think that was Shaq's last year. Was that Shaq's last year in the league? Him and Kobe in the All Star game. Was that Co-MVPs? the Co MVP? Okay. Co MVPs. Yep. Yeah. I think that might have been two thousand nine. I think that might have been 2009. But, yeah, it's fallen off. I guess the last really good one was, what, 20, was it 2016? 16, 17, whenever Zach Levine went between the legs. Yes, when he went between the, when Levine went between the legs from the free throw line. That's the last best dunk contest. Some people think Aaron Gordon should have won that one. No, if you go between the legs from the free throw line, I'm sorry. I, I know the, the Muppet on the, Whatever the heck that thing is called. What was it? The top of the backboard? No, when he did, when the when the Orlando mascot was spinning on oh, yeah, the hoverboard. Was, yeah, 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 yeah. We had the little skates on. Yes. But if you go between the legs from the free throw line, I'm sorry, there's only what's the between the, the what's the free throw line dunk? That's the Jordan. Yeah. And you go between the legs, I'm sorry, you win. As Kenny Smith would say, it's over. It's over. It's that, over. That's it. Go home. So I I will say this. Uh, as much as we, I think, rightfully rag on baseball at times because they just get so many things wrong, they have the all-star festivities figured out. It's the best of the four major sports. Now, their issue is, well, I mean, why the hell is it on a Monday and a Tuesday? Um, but It's in the middle of the summer. What do you got going on, really? I know, but, I mean, we need a weekend. Like, it just feels bigger if, if, if it's a weekend because every other sport does it that way. Uh, but... I think that in the NFL, you get hurt by, no pun intended, the fact that the sport is so violent, you can't actually play a football game anymore. The NBA, there's too much of a, a, a risk involved with guys potentially getting hurt before uh, you know deep playoff runs. Baseball, it's just the same game, man. It's not really a contact sport, so you can just play the same game. And then the home run derby, I still find to be fascinating. I think of all the events, wouldn't you agree the Home Run Derby is the most entertaining of all these, like, you know, carnival acts we have? Yes, but even that was at a certain point where it had to be fixed, and it was down, and people were down on it. And guess what brought it back? Stars. Star power. Yeah, Pete Alonzo, man. Aaron Judge putting a Aaron ball Judge. on the roof yep. in, in Miami. Fantastic. Vladimir Guerrero, in, I believe that was Cleveland, when that really put him on the map. That Remember home Josh run derby. Hamilton hit one out of Yankee Stadium? Yeah, Josh Hamilton in 2008, which Justin Morneau won that derby. You just need star Isn't power. It funny, Prin- though? Prince that, Fielder, too. That, that, that home run derby, uh, that home run derby, you remember, like, the first thing that comes to mind is Josh Hamilton, and he didn't even win. <laughs> it was Justin right. Morneau. Which, I mean, Justin Morneau is probably, you want to talk about, one of the most unforgettable career or most forgettable careers because he has an MVP award and a home run derby that nobody remembers. Yeah. Nobody. But yeah, I think baseball, uh, it's the best, it has the best festivities. And that's the one thing I'll give them credit for. Now, I, I started complimenting them by saying, you know, they get ragged on a lot. They've got to figure free agency out, man. 
Like, I, baseball free agency is such a bore. And, and what sport do you get to a point where we're one, one month away before the start of your regular season and two top players at any position, let alone arguably the most, are unsigned? Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery. Those might not be sports household names, but as far as like baseball, these are two of the high, the, the most, you know, high profile free agents, and they still don't have a team. How's that good for baseball? And don't even get me started with how free agency began, with that you know Shohei Otani sweepstakes. That was just so disappointing. It's not that he went to the Dodgers; it's that there was no lead up to it. There was no juice. There was no nothing kept kept you captivated because him and his his you know his his his, his uh, agency decided that they didn't want any of the contract talks to be made public. So put a dent into that, and we go back, and people are going to think this is just me being me being pro LeBron, but I mean, was the 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 decision show not great for basketball? And he generated some revenue. I mean, you could argue, and a lot of people do, that's the where— The Boys and Girls Club? I mean, everyone was, was locked into it? No, but, I mean, a lot of people discredit that for creating all this player movement in the NBA, is that move with LeBron and the decision, which I, I don't agree with, but that, I'm, I'm, you could say, is the catalyst for and it. And that's a different conversation. However you feel about player movement, whatever. I'm talking specifically about the sweepstakes— the free agency, the tour, the meeting with different teams, him going on television with Jim Gray, and them doing a whole special, and, and fans of the four teams involved finding out on, on live national television where he was going, and it created reaction across the nation that one of the best players in basketball had decided he was going to Miami to team up with uh, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. It was, it was excellent theater. And people destroyed him for it. He's selfish. The NBA w- was better for that because the buzz it generated. And the fact that we were not allowed to get that, it, all we've talked about the last two years is the Shohei Otani free agency sweepstakes. You know, the Mets, the Yankees, uh, Angels might keep him, Dodgers, Giants. And it was silence. It was boring because he said, if you talk about our meetings, I'm crossing you off the list. And it was so lame. Shohei's an awesome player. He's fantastic. But to be that caliber of talent, to be one of the faces of the sport, and you not help the product by, you know, publicizing it, by creating some type of, 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 of buzz, some interest, some intrigue somewhere, oh, that was awful. And now Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, they're not even on a team. They're not even on a team. Oh, man, what a mess. And I love baseball. It's, it's, it's why I often get so frustrated. And people sometimes might think I'm overly critical of the sport. It's just because, like, it's, it's the first sport I fell in love with. And just going back to what I fell in love with versus what it is now. And, look, you understand there's going to be an evolution. Every sport has experienced that. Football, basketball, hockey, they've all experienced a a bit of an evolution. But they just seem so late to every single party. And everything that they do is counterproductive to the fan experience. 
So they dropped the ball with this free agency. It was boring. It was a snooze fest. I'm excited that the regular season's around the corner. But, man, what a boring free agency. We'll come right back right here on 98.7 ESPN. This This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. 98.7 ESPN. We got Robin Lumber coming on the show at 5 o'clock. We're going to get into a lot. Uh... Next hour, also, I want to talk Yankees and Mets. The season is, you know, around the corner, and the expectations couldn't be, you know, any more different uh, between these two teams. So we'll get into that. Mike Tannenbaum uh, lost his mind yesterday on Get Up. Did you hear the uh, trade proposals he had for both the Jets and the Giants? Oh, man, love Mike T, but that wasn't it. We'll talk about that next. Um, So this morning, I had been looking forward to for quite some time now and if when you become a parent you just got to mentally prepare yourself for especially when you have young children and mine are two and one respectively mentally prepare yourself for setting the bar so low so that there's not tremendous disappointment when it's an absolute failure so a couple uh, six weeks ago my wife brought to me this uh, application for like this soccer kids club and I was like wow that's a great idea she said, should I do it of course Noah's at my two-year-old my oldest he's really into sports uh, oddly now football is like his his favorite sport and the reason why I say oddly is because he was so into basketball uh, for Christmas that I got him a basketball hoop for the living room but you know with football on just so frequently in the house, Monday and and, and Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday, he was so into it. Where during the Super Bowl, he's got this little uh, foam football, standing in front of the TV, you know, crunched over. Uh, as Mahomes or Purdy takes the snap, he's just sitting there waiting. And as soon as they get sacked or do something, he does whatever they're doing. Purdy gets sacked, he falls to the ground. A uh, ball gets handed to Pacheco, he's running. And now he's just like randomly knocking Maverick, my youngest. Uh, my my youngest is a one year old, just knocking him over, just straight trucking him, because he thinks life is just an ongoing football game that just never ends. But anyway, uh, got him into soccer. Today is day one of uh, the festivities at this public school, and he's got his jersey on. And the morning was great, like the, in the lead up to it, because you felt the excitement. Uh, put the jersey on. Got the high socks, the shorts. We're getting ready, man. Uh, so we, we we get to the car. We're driving, pumping them up. I actually had him doing a morning stretch on YouTube, like, like a little toddler exercise stretch. It was fun. Pulled up to the school, and I parked like right across the street from the entrance of, of this elementary school. And as I'm turning the car off, uh, I, I say it to him one last time. Noah, are you ready? Are you excited for soccer today? And he emphatically says yes. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Walk into the school, and from the moment we walked in to the moment we left, it was an absolute disaster, like an unmitigated failure to the point where I, like, I was so upset. I had to contain myself because, like, you try to, again, mentally set the bar low because anything that exceeds that low bar feels like triumphant but anything lower than that since you're not falling from such a high place it's just like you know par for the course 
all to be expected. But yo, Joe, I was livid, man. I I was livid. And you didn't you do that thing where you take him to the side and you start to like irrationally throw Oh no, you didn't do this. Like little threats at him. Like, yo, if you don't start playing soccer, iPad, toys, because he's into like uh, drumsticks. He's a big drummer now. Drumsticks all going in the garbage. I told him straight up, you better fix your attitude, fix your behavior right now because you are embarrassing us in front of these coaches, embarrassing us in front of these parents. I was so mad, man. But then I had to like reel myself in and then understand he's too, he's shy. It's his first time ever engaging in, in anything like this. He's not someone who likes public attention. Uh, but it was rough, man. It was rough. You're turning into Rothenberg. I just. You are. I just, you know, so I got so so geeked because it's sports, obviously, and I'm a sports fanatic, and this was, like, the first time we were doing something like this. And then there's also that, like, you watch other kids this seamlessly. He's two. <laughs> so then I have to ask the coaches. I'm like, wait, they didn't, did they just start? And they said, no, they've been here for a couple seasons now. So I'm like, all right, it makes me feel a little bit better that he's not the only one. But, yeah, man, I was really down on myself. I, I was annoyed. My wife, too, she was irate. Because, see, all he says is he wants to play soccer. Well, he's been talking about soccer for weeks. He runs around the house nonstop to the point where I've got downstairs neighbors threatening to, to you know, move because they're so damn fed up with hearing his, his loud footsteps. So we finally get, it's like Carlos Beltran in, what was that, 2007 or, or 06, the NLCS? It's like, this is the moment, baby. This is the moment. And then Adam Wainwright drops a curveball, and he's got the bat on his shoulder. Come I on, love baby. how you're comparing your two-year-old's first soccer practice to <laughs> Game 7 of the NLCS in 2007. So maybe it's a little dramatic. Or 2006. 2006. Maybe, maybe it's a little, yeah, because 07 was the, the first of the two collapses. We want to get those years mixed up. But maybe it's a little dramatic. Little? It, it's, maybe. It's, but you know what's funny? Guess who was all excited, all into the whole soccer experience? My youngest, Maverick, one years old. He didn't even sign. We didn't even have him signed up for it. He was ninety seconds into a nap as we pulled up to to the school. He woke right up and was like, "Oh, I got that second gear, baby." He's running around, shaking hands, kissing babies. But then Noah's the one who's you know pulling pulling the dead weight. And it just leaves you feeling embarrassed, man. I know parents out there listening. You guys can relate to, to that feeling of being all excited and geared up and your, and your child just, just letting you down. So hopefully next week's better. Uh, they give you, Joe, how about this? This is pretty cool. So this uh, soccer club establishment gives you like a three-week grace period where if the if you're no longer interested, you can cancel and get your money back. So uh, what so, are we thinking after one practice? <laughs> so here's so here's the thing. Uh, we made some progress because while he didn't engage with coaches or kick the soccer ball, he started running around. Like he was on the floor running around with a smile on his face having fun. So we made incremental progress. We got to see where his head is at next week and then the week after that. But we get two weeks to figure this out before this uh, comes tumbling down and it's a failed experiment. So I don't feel confident. I don't feel great. But again, you want to you want your your expectations to be measured, to be, you know, to be on par with 
what we've seen history show us, and that's whenever this, whenever we expect him to have a great time somewhere, it just ain't gonna happen. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Coming up next, we're gonna talk to uh, Robin Lumberg uh, about a bunch of things. Uh, he's got his show on YouTube. He does a tremendous job covering all types of content. We'll get into uh, the NBA second half of the season, expectations for the Knicks, uh, any interest in the weekend at all. Uh, mine, as a diehard basketball fan, is just diminishing year after year after year. But as I said, I'm excited for uh, Steph Curry and uh, Sabrina Ionescu. See? I can say it, Joe. I can say it. I just I just got... I, I The pressure got to me. I was talking to Maria. She's a big women's basketball fan and you know i felt like i had to deliver and i just couldn't do it so i was not clutch i was not clutch at all look uh, it happens to the best of us i can attest to this but you know if you flub it's stadium tradition that it becomes a drop yeah. it's not nothing against you it'll happen to me at some point i'm sure i i, I think it's uh it's not the best thing to do uh but we do have someone online who can relate to the soccer experience I had this morning as we go to Long Island to talk with Jay. What's up, Jay? What's up, bro? What's good, man? Talk to me. Yeah, man. Um, you know, it's crazy because my daughter, so this whole week, she got a concert. Daddy, I got a concert on Friday. I got a concert on Friday. I got a concert on Friday. I'm like, oh, okay, you going to sing? Yes, I'm going to sing. <laughs> Sure, you gonna sing? Cause I know when when I'm around, you don't like dancing, you don't like singing. If I catch you singing, you stop singing altogether. If I walk in the room and you're dancing, you stop dancing. It don't matter who's around. As soon as I come around, you don't know how to do anything. Oh, I'm not gonna do it, Daddy. I promise. So I get there, and my job get there as soon as she starts singing. So as soon as she sees me in the crowd, she's mute. Oh, she doesn't man. know how to talk. She's completely quiet. And mind you, they put her smack dab in the front, in the middle. Oh, man. And everybody's looking at her. The chorus teacher is trying to get her to start singing. I'm like, oh, my God. So in my head, I'm like, it's Friday. So normally when you get good grades on your test, you know, I take them to Walmart, take them to Target. So I'm like... I'm not taking you to Target. I'm not taking you to Walmart. <laughs> I'm never doing this it. again. But then I'm like, in my head, I had to think to tell myself, I'm like, it's, I'm her dad. It's to the point where she probably just doesn't want to let me down so bad. Yeah. It's that she's just gonna, she's just gonna give up and let me down because that's better than her embarrassing herself. So I wonder why wouldn't you try to be more discreet and not let her see that you're in the crowd? You could have like you know hid behind something. It's just the fact that she promised that she wasn't gonna be nervous. Ah oh, man, so, like, I feel you though. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate so, you the. Know, you, gotta, you gotta be a little patient with a little bit, especially you too. My daughter's five. Yeah, I understand that. I understand that. It's the first. It's the first. I appreciate the call, Jay. Thanks for sharing that, man. That 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 just go, That just gives you a proper perspective. At two years old, should I be punting on the experience after after round one? Of course not. That's just me being dramatic. But no, if you're listening, be better because you got two weeks to get it right, my boy. And if not, we taking you out. <laughs> Robin Lumber coming up next right here on ninety eight seven ESPN.